Hello everyone, Kat Smith here. Welcome to Enneagram Plus Yoga. I wanted to introduce the next episode. If you were able to listen to the last week's episode, um, you probably are um, already aware of what to expect at this one. But just in case you didn't, Christy and I have decided to um, make three episodes, which would be released as three parts of one whole. And these episodes are made out of um, little parts of interviews from every single guest that we've spoken with in the past year or so. And we've decided to uh, break out these episodes according to the triads. So last week's episode was all about little snippets from the interviews from the guests in the heart triad. This week's episode, we are combining the snippets from interviews from everybody whom we've spoken with who fell into the head triad. So I hope that you enjoy it. Tune in. It should be a good one. But before I let you go, one more time, I wanted to remind you that Christy and I are very excited and very privileged to be able to be a part of two upcoming yoga teacher training programs that are happening um, uh, in October and November here in Chattanooga, hosted by two premier yoga studios here in Chattanooga. So the first one is going to be at Southern Soul Yoga Studio on October 28th. The other uh, training that we are leading is going to be at Yoga Landing Studio here in Chattanooga um, in November, November 3rd, 4th, and 5th. So it's an entire weekend that is dedicated to the training, which you can be a part of the whole thing or just a couple of days or just a day. All these trainings are about yoga and Enneagram. Um, They're going to be very insightful. We've taken some time to prepare. So we would love for you to consider joining us because these events are not only open to yoga teacher trainees, they're also open to anybody who wishes to attend. We will have links to register on our website. So feel free to check those out. If you have any questions, do not hesitate to read out. We will be um, happy to answer and we hope to see you there. But now please tune in, listen, and enjoy. In our head triad episode, we're going to start out with Dr. Allison Lowry. She is a pharmacist, but also a fashion designer. She's a wise woman. One of my favorite moments in the interview was when she said, pay attention to what makes you cry. So if you haven't listened to the episode we did with Allison. She has so many moments of wisdom, like a five would, but listen to this little piece from her interview, uh, just to give you a taste of a five. So I I was trying to remember before the interview when I first really started digging into it, and I, I don't really remember the uh, it was probably four or five years ago. Yeah. And I'm an avid podcast listener. So just random podcasts that I would listen to. Maybe it was, yeah, I think the Enneagram sort of like popular right now. And I think yeah. lots of people were maybe discovering it for the sure. first time and talking about what their number was. And I love a personality test. So I'm like, well, I'll just look into this. Yeah. So as I do, I, I bought a book 
and was reading. <laughs> yeah, podcasts <laughs> and books, big shocker. I mean, I mean but there you go. That's the end of the interview. That's all you need to know. So I bought the book and, you know, it just it doesn't occur to me to tell my husband anything. Really, mm. um, and we can get into that in a yeah, minute, yeah, um, yeah, because that's a really big deal for me as a five. Um, anyway, withholding knowledge. Oh yes, and I didn't. Well, it, that's a whole conversation. Okay, <laughs> so, okay, let's do that later. So uh, I get the book, and I mean, I'm just voraciously reading it. I'm like, oh my word! I mean, I you hear people talk about. Well, it takes me a while. It took me a while to figure out my number. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh no, no, no! I mean, I knew just immediately even mm. from the short description i'm like oh oh other people are like this they too know i'm me. not maybe weird mm-hmm. so i i thought about it and I, sorry that's a five thing i think about it yeah. all the time and yeah. i read all the resources and i googled all the things and so i'd been studying it on my own for about 6 months and a friend of ours came over one day and she said have you ever heard about the enneagram and my husband was in the room and i'm like oh my gosh yes so i just start <laughs> spewing all this information and he looks at me like what what are you talking about? And I'm like, well, I haven't really told you, but I've been studying this thing for about six months and it's so fascinating. So then she and I are are in depth talking about it. Well, then he wants to take the test. And I said, you know, you're not supposed to type other people, but I'm pretty sure I have you nailed, but I'm not going to tell you what it is because I need you to figure it out. So he did. And he's a two. So a two Uh, and a five. I'm like, wow, this is, this is a conundrum sometimes, but um, it's, even the way I came about learning about it and studying it, I thought this is so typical five behavior and the fact that it didn't even occur to me to tell him. And, you know, the question of withholding. Yeah. It is true, but I don't know that it's withholding Mm -hmm. as much. It's not like I'm being selfish and withholding this information. It's, well, you already know everything I know. So why, why would I even engage in conversation about it? Because right. I, I truly feel like, think that most people know what is already in my head. So it would be maybe insulting your intelligence to, you know, bring up a topic or inform you of something I've learned or whatever. It's silly. Right. But um, I, I just don't think to share. Sure. And sometimes the withholding can be at an unconscious level. And then sometimes, like you're saying, It can be that internal processing of a five, whereas a two, like your husband, might need to externally process. I mean, they need to kind of let it out verbally, right? Yes. Right? Yes. And so many times, and this Mm -hmm. is why it's been so helpful in our marriage, because Mm -hmm. we've been married 23 years, and we've been happily married, but... You know, in any relationship, it's the more you know about yourself, the more you can learn about others and be better Mm -hmm. in relationships. So, um we have learned that, you know, by the time I say something to him, I mean, all the parts are worked out. I don't just say something off the cuff. I don't, um, you know, I don't think out loud. I've Mm -hmm. already thought it all the way through. And he has to think out loud. Like he says something and it's the first time it's come into his head. And I'm like, how can you possibly think that? It's like, Allison, you know that I will likely change my mind, but this is just my first Mm-hmm. exploration of this topic mm-hmm. is I'm saying it out loud. I'm like, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's just knowing those things about each other mm-hmm. that helps us. Like we just don't even have those discussions anymore because we know yeah. that we know. 
The Enneagrams helped you understand one another mm-hmm. and give one another a lot of grace, it sounds yes. like. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I um, am going to say that before, um, as I was driving here, I was listening uh, to a podcast that is only about fives because I am fascinated with fives and Allison uh, in specifically. So I just want to, and I had to pull over when they were saying this so I can freaking type it so I can share it with you. So uh, fives are regarded as alert, insightful, and curious. And at their best, they're visionary pioneers and able to see the world in an entire new way. Isn't that beautiful? It is. Oh, I like spot. Like I'm getting goosebumps here. I was like, "Yes, ma'am." So I just wanted you to know that. Um, so here's my first question for you, Allison. So when we think five, knowledge, learning, observation, mm-hmm. intellect, logic, thinking through things, um, just some of the words that um, resonate with a five. When did you first know you had desired to gain knowledge? Do you remember maybe like a childhood or adolescent memory when you can just peg it like, yeah, that was it. I had to know it and I had to know in depth. You know, okay, so we could go way off on a tangent maybe with nature versus nurture on this. Yes, let's go there. <laughs> um, I don't. So in full disclosure, I got these questions ahead of time. So I've spent a lot of time thinking about them and rolling them around in my head. And there's the thinking word. I mean, (laughs) I will think something to death. Um, I I don't really remember a moment. I do remember as a kid, I figured out that I was smart Mm. and I'm like, well, that'll just be my thing. Mm -hmm. Like I can be smart. So that, I don't know if I thought that because I am a five Mm. and I figured out what I was good at and I -hmm. I liked to think and I liked to be alone and I liked to read and um, I always wondered why, you know, I didn't always want to be around everybody all the time because I really, even now I live in a world of extroverts in Mm -hmm. my house and most of my friends are extroverts and again, until I figured out fives and all of our weirdness mm-hmm. um I'm like what is wrong with me like I it's so irritating to have to re have to refuel all the time and mm-hmm. constantly be gauging energy constantly which drains you of energy in and of itself because you're mm-hmm. having to constantly gauge your energy yeah. so um so I don't know if there was a moment mm-hmm. or it, it was just that just how that, you were yeah from the earliest yeah. memory yeah. Well, I, you know, you and I had coffee a couple of weeks ago, and um, I'm just going to share this story. Uh, you said something along the lines that, like, my favorite thing, I'm just going to go home and read alone <laughs> in, like, semi-darkness. And, like, don't talk to me. Leave me I'm like, you are such a fine. I love it. Tell me more. So it just, it's what, it's who you are. Uh-huh. It's what, you know, from the get-go. And it's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, yeah it is beautiful. And you were sharing with us before 
we started taping that you have a four wing. Yes. And you've mentioned that you feel like a bit of a misfit, but the five with a four wing, I think would especially feel that way. Mm -hmm. Right. Because that, that's something the four feels. That's something the five can feel. You tie those two together. Yes. And that's a, that's a big feeling, right? Yes. Yes. And the self conversations that go on Mm -hmm. in the head can, you know, if you're not on the right path with that thinking Mm -hmm. can really do a lot of, harm. So mm-hmm. again, the Enneagram has been very beneficial for me in understanding, mm-hmm. okay, this is this is just who you are. Yeah. yeah. And it's normal. Yeah. And here's how you can be integrated in your best self. Sure. And um yeah, I mean, it's just been a great yeah. learning process. <laughs> Because I got to learn about it. Yes, that's what we're here for. All of us to learn. And I love that word integration because as a, as a kid, you decided, I am smart. You know, you decided, I am in this head triad long before you knew the mm-hmm. language of the head triad, right? Mm-hmm. And integration with the Enneagram is about saying, yes, you're smart, but you can also enter the heart and be emotionally intelligent. And you can also enter the body and be very physical, which is very important mm-hmm. for a five to kind of be connected to their body. But often they're very disconnected from their body. So what is a physical practice in your life that connects you to your body? Isn't it just something that we're on the Enneagram and Yoga podcast? Yeah. Because <laughs> um, I would say yoga has been the primary um, facilitator of getting into my body. Because, again, I didn't know. It's, it's <laughs> until I knew what a five was, I, looking back on it, it's like my head just sort of hovered over the rest mm-hmm. of my body. Mm-hmm. Like it, the, the rest of this just didn't really matter because mm-hmm. it was all up here. Mm-hmm. And when you're disconnected that way, you're not listening to your body. Mm-hmm. And I remember at one of the jobs I had, a coworker of mine said, just trust your gut. I'm like, I don't Where's know that? how to trust my gut. I, I, I yeah. don't know. You know, I would hear that my whole life. Just trust your gut. I don't know how. I don't, I don't, I, I mean, it, I was just speechless and I thought, how can I not trust my gut? This seems like such a normal thing for people to do. And you know, your instincts or your women's intuition. I'm like, I don't have any of that. I mean, I'm just weird. Mm-hmm. So when I learned about the Enneagram and all of this sort of happened at the same time as it tends to do, you know, mm-hmm. I would hear Ian Cron talk about mm-hmm. yoga and it was a good practice for fives. And I thought, well, okay, well, we'll give that a try. Mm-hmm. And it was very uncomfortable to begin because it's really, I mean, I can almost physically feel it coming out of my mind into my mm. body. And, mm. you know, the the tendency in yoga is to revert back up in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, in the, quit yeah. thinking, quit, stop it. Mm-hmm. So um, it's been very, very helpful to learn how to listen to my body. Our next Enneagram teacher is my Enneagram coach and mentor. He also is Kat's teacher. She's doing her certification through Dr. Wagner, but he's one of the most renowned Enneagram teachers in the world. And we're lucky that we got to interview him for our holiday episode. So listen in. So Dr. Jerry Wagner, welcome to Enneagram Plus Yoga podcast. We are so honored to have you. 
Um, many of you have probably heard of Jerry Wagner. He is a big deal in the Enneagram world. He has written many books, including the Enneagram Spectrum of Personality Styles and Nine Lenses on the World. Um, he also is an honorary founder of the International Enneagram Association. You also might want to go take his Enneagram test. I think it's one of the best tests out there. You can go to his website, which is enneagramspectrum.com to take that test. It's W-E-P-S-S -S, test. And it's just a unique version. Of course, we recommend the Enneagram Institute test, but I think that his has just some added layers that are different and unique. So you may wanna go take his as well. But Dr. Wagner, we're so happy to have you to ask you uh, on this very lighthearted holiday episode, what an Enneagram 5 might want for Christmas or for the holidays. What are some thoughts about that? Well, I'm always happy to recommend gifts to give to fives. And I mentioned, I, I will send you my, e, my uh, address in case you want to send me some of this material yourself. Yeah, that's right. He told me he's going to send me his mailing address. So I get to mail him the Christmas gift. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, I, you, I, I thought you asked me, you know, what, what gifts did I like to receive? And then what gifts would I recommend? The ones I thought about, they're all from when I was little. And, and one of them, was I talked my parents, I, I can't believe it worked, into getting me the World Book Encyclopedia. So, you know, that baby, that's a lot of books. A lot of books. Yes, that's correct. I'd like to say I read everything in them, but that, of course, would not be true. But I looked at, <laughs> I looked at a lot of them. And it occurred to me that we actually, we all have, the World Book Encyclopedia and the British Encyclopedia right in our pocket these days, plus 10,000. It's amazing. It is insane. what we got now. So just give everybody, you know, like a phone. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I bike, I got a Schwinn, woo, and then a three speed. So, I, and I'm thinking, well, that allowed me to expand my horizons. You know, I could travel further around the neighborhood. Yeah. And then uh, a dog. I like my dog, Butchie. That was a, that was a nice gift. When did you get your dog? Oh gosh, when I we were on a vacation, and um, <laughs> much to my mother's chagrin, this place where we visited had some little puppies. And I said, "Oh," and they they said, "You probably would like to have one of these puppies." <laughs> yeah. I of course, said of course. So we came home with a puppy. So beware of vacations. You know, you never know what you're going to come home with. Well, I would think that a puppy would be a really good gift for an Enneagram 5 because it would move you into the heart space. And then a bicycle would also be a really good gift for a 5 because it would move you into the body. Exactly triad. right. Very good. That's yeah. right. And then yeah. the encyclopedia would keep us in our heads. So you we got all three. Help. Nicely you done. There. I love it. I love it. <laughs> So then I was thinking, okay, so now what do you want to give me these days? And I, I just I actually asked my daughter to give me a subscription to the Sunday New York Times. Um, mm -hmm. So I, you know, I probably wouldn't 
read it every day of the week, but Sunday Times is great, kind of covers a lot of things. That's if you're a blue five. If you're a red five, you might like maybe the uh, Wall Street Journal as opposed to the New York Times. So it depends, you know. Yeah, I like that for both our blue and red listeners. That I is love correct. That's right. And and then I thought, well, uh, recently I read the book Sapiens by Harari, and and so I'm thinking, okay, if for a five. You want to give us kind of like a, a overall picture, so a history of anything. Mm -hmm. So maybe you know, I got a history of psychology, history of philosophy. Um, Ken Wilber is a good five, and he has a, a book called "Modestly: A Brief History of Everything." Uh, so great. just give a five, you know, kind of a, any kind of book that would give you this overall comprehensive view of everything ever thought or written there you go i love it our renaissance men and women get them something so they can know a little bit about everything that is ab absolutely it. correct that's right <laughs> and then the last thing which which um is really different as maybe it's probably my age like i got enough junk now and stuff i don't need any more stuff but experience is a nice thing so you could give five uh, an experience. So like my daughter, we can't do it now, but would, would say, okay, I'll take you out to dinner. And we'll go to a jazz club, listen to some music. Nice. Mm -hmm. Or you could buy your five friend or relative, like a, uh, a trip on an expedition <laughs> somewhere that way they can yeah. learn and have yeah. an adventure at the same time and catch COVID and <laughs> live, live happily ever after, you know, so you might think in terms of giving the five um, an experience, which would know, also be good, get us out of our head. Yeah, but then we'd have to think about the experience. So we would integrate. Yes. Probably yes. in a, a yoga class, our you know, mind, heart, and body. Yeah. Love that. And speaking about giving a five an experience, I want to mention this as well about Jerry. He has such a great sense of humor. And one experience you could give somebody who loves the Enneagram is to go to one of his classes. Ah. Jerry has some really great classes. And I promise you'll learn a lot and you'll laugh a lot because you do have such wisdom, but you also have that keen sense of wit that a lot of fives have. And so I would also offer that. Well, thank you. Yeah, that's right. Give him a, a, a ticket to my Enneagram training. There you go. <laughs> well, thank you, Jerry, for your time, um, for uh, these these memories of special gifts to mm. you. I just appreciate you coming well, on the podcast. Welcome. The head triad is also known as the thinking triad, the fear triad, the triad that seeks safety and security. And next up in this triad is our six, Stacy Ferris. And uh, I wanted to share that she teaches at Southern Soul Yoga. She also does um, really wonderful assists. So she often will assist other teachers and she gives the best assist ever. So make sure you check out either one of her classes where she's teaching or assisting. But we've really enjoyed having Stacy talk about being an Enneagram Six. Well, I was introduced to yoga, uh, to um, Enneagram uh, Six, about six years ago through mm -hmm. um, a friend of mine. And 
he had given me the test and given me a, a CD. And as I was listening to the CD and driving down the mountain, I was literally turned, had to pull over several times because I was like, oh my gosh, that is so me. That is so me. So it really made me want to dive deeper into finding out more about myself hmm. um, and some of my reactions because as a six, I am very reactive. And so um, I started listening and recognizing that there are patterns. Um, and as far as with my yoga, I recently was introduced because there were uh, some friends, um, including Kat, that were talking about the Enneagram. I was like, oh, my gosh, I know, all, I know a lot about it. I've tried to um, incorporate that into different areas of my life. And it just, it's one of those things that's just kind of um, I knew about it, and, I, and it keeps showing up. So it was showing up in Centering Prayer. It was showing up. Um, in yoga, yeah. it was showing up through different kinds of organizations that I've been involved in. And, yeah. um, and so I, was, I really wanted to be involved. Kudos. Just to highlight different organizations that I've been involved in, that's kind of a hallmark of a six. They love groups. They love to commit yeah. to different organizations. So something like you mentioned, centering prayer, yoga, being a part of different things, that lights a six up. Mm-hmm. Does that resonate? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You Such in. a six. Okay. So my first question for you um, is about the deadly passion of the six. Sometimes it's called the shadow side, the deadly sin. And of course, that's anxiety. And so I'm just curious, how does anxiety, she's laughing, guys, because <laughs> like bouncing her six. foot up and down, like, oh, yeah. thank you for asking me that one. That's my favorite question. Anxiety. Anxiety is in your life? <laughs> everywhere. It's anxiety from being perfectionist. It's anxiety from being um, a mom. It's anxiety for teaching. I mean, it's, it is, every, it's, it's, um, it's overwhelming sometimes that I can even overwhelm myself. And if I don't worry about something, I find something else to worry about so I can have the anxiety. And sometimes I can even get, I mean, my mouth is going before my head is going and I'm just a nervous wreck. I mean, you know, I'm in and out. And, yeah. um, but I, I really see it more in my perfectionism is that I, um, I don't want to fail. And so I want to be over prepared Mm -hmm. and I want to make sure that I um, have looked around the room, that I'm safe. Mm -hmm. And and if I feel like I walk into um, a snake pit, then that anxiety is just like through the roof. And that's where yoga has came in for me because it's really taught me how to slow down and not be so reactive and so anxious about what's going to come next. That's great. So you're learning to enter the present moment through things like yoga and centering prayer. Exactly. That's Mm -hmm. great. So you have these practices that turn you away from that deadly sin of fear and and towards a more centered self. Exactly. And Mm -hmm. your wing, tell tell everybody what your wing is. My wing is a seven, which is also happy go lucky. And yeah. um, And so but it. You know, with the decision-making process, yeah. too, of, okay, am I a five? Am I a six? Am I, you know, what is my wing? And so when I really look at all of the numbers and zero in on my everyday actions, it really helps me to identify with that. Yeah, and a six with a seven wing really does need to get grounded. Like that, the, the energy there is quite 
anxious sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so you have those practices that get you, you get on your mat and you get grounded, you know, you go to centering prayer and you get grounded. Anything else that helps you to get grounded? Um, just, you know, if I can go take a long walk, if I learn how to stop and breathe, pausing Mm. is a big thing for me Um, because, um, you know, I'll jump from thing to thing to thing because most of it is I'm trying to prove myself mm-hmm. that what a, a trusted situation can't be trusted. Yeah. yeah. So I've yeah. had to learn to pause and I just got stop. chills. You yeah. said a trusted situation can be tried. That's a hell of a ride right there. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Can be tried. That's a lot. Yes. And that's why I have to always go back to I'm safe. Mm-hmm. You are okay. Yeah. Breathe. Is there a safe place you go to in your mind where like, you know, some people have like imagining their favorite beach or whatnot. Is there, do you have a practice like that or what is it for you? Not so much as the the mantra, just because um, that's one of the things that I learned uh, through the centering prayer is to think of that one word and Mm -hmm. safety is one of my biggest fears. And that's what caused all Mm -hmm. the anxiety because I'm always thinking that the, that the rug's going to be pulled out from underneath my feet. Yeah. And what am I going to do? And that's that negative side that, you know, uh, thinking that something bad is going to happen. So I just, you know, I have to be, I have to be grounded. I have to have my two feet on the floor. (laughs) I have to know where I'm going. I have to know my schedule and my, my area has to be also like that. I can't, I can't be in a lot of chaotic situations because it makes me so anxious. Yeah. Yeah. And the mantras that we need might point us to our number. So, and I know you know this (laughs) and Kat, you do as well, but for the the five, the six and the seven, what they're seeking is safety and security. Mm -hmm. And of course, for the two, the three and the four, what they're seeking is attention And for the eight, the nine, and the one, what they're seeking is autonomy. So Mm -hmm. if you're a listener and you're not sure what your number is, you might want to start with that question, what am I seeking? Am I seeking safety, attention, or autonomy? Mm -hmm. And at least that would point you to your triad, right? It is such a good good point because I don't know if I I mentioned it to Christy or... um, or you, Stace, but um, I've misnumbered myself as a six for the longest time. For years, <laughs> yeah. I was a confident six, and I'm a one, by the way. And to your point, it's it, you've got to go deeper and see mm. what lies underneath and what propels your thoughts and reactions and your outlooks. Mm-hmm. That reasoning is mm-hmm. what's very important. What are you seeking? So mm-hmm. that, to your point, is so true. Mm-hmm. And this may seem confusing to listeners, the idea that it can take a while to find your number, yes. but that's part of the Enneagram. Right. It's doing some soul searching. It's right. kind of asking the existential question, who am I? Yeah. And then it leads you to, why am I here on this earth? And then it leads you to, how can I grow? How yeah. can I become more? The Enneagram doesn't put you in a box and no. say, this is who you are. It says, this is who you can be become right which is powerful and so it does take a lot of soul searching and for a lot of people it can take a year to find Mm -hmm. out what their number is or longer yep but there's some there's some good stuff yep if you stay with it so it can be confusing and if you're just listening to this and trying to figure out oh what is my enneagram number Mm -hmm. like Sit with it. Take some time, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 I agree. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Which, speaking of this, so, and this question is about Enneagram or yoga, whichever mm-hmm. one you want to relate to. In Oprah speak, 
did you have an aha moment? Mm. Like when you were like, oh my gosh, this is it. I want more. And if you did, what was it? I mean, it was really le- learning through when it kept showing up in my life. Yeah. And when I found out about the Enneagram, then I go into the centering prayer at several different places. I mean, because mm-hmm. I was involved in it in, in, um, in several places and we were doing the Richard Rohr part. And that's when I was like, oh, wow. I mean, mm-hmm. there's more. There's, there's mm-hmm. a deeper side because I for so often tried to find my identity through my surroundings, which is another mm-hmm. sign of a six. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it was yeah. just like, and I had to learn how to trust myself mm-hmm. that what I was doing was okay. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and that I, that, that my decision making process was a lot stronger mm-hmm. than I was, than it was. And yeah. it's like, that was a big aha moment for me because I, I, I always relied on others. I, you mm-hmm. know, I was a scared of authority figures, but looked to them at the same time. Right. Scared of institutions, but looked to them at the same time. Oh, wow. But it gave me a direction. So it gave me a, an air, a way that I could move forward in my life knowing who I am with confidence. Mm-hmm. And so that, my, I could, that I could stand up for myself mm-hmm. in ways and not be so frightened by someone else's reaction that yeah. put me over the edge. Does that, does that answer the question? Yeah. Yes. And can I tell you, you know, when you hear, when I hear you say fear, and I know six, that's the driver fear. You never come off as fearful. You come off as abundant, outgoing, <laughs> social, funny, personable. Like you wouldn't, and that's another part. Like mm-hmm. so much of that is internal, mm-hmm. internal work, internal struggle, internal growth, internal everything. Mm-hmm. And what we show a lot of times to the world is not usually exactly. what's on the inside. So kudos to you. Yeah. And that's part of too, like getting in that institution and that community yeah. where you know the people mm-hmm. around you. Yeah. So it's like after I can, you know, get into my little circle, then I can, then I want to bring people in. I want to show, oh, I got this. I've got this. I mean, this is what helped help me. And this is the way I help other people. Yeah. Yeah. And what you said too points directly to the six that the six is kind of paradoxical. They struggle with trust. Like trust is really hard for them. The eights are the other number that trust can be really hard for, but they also love belonging and love being a part of groups. So it takes a little while sometimes to go, is this group safe? Mm-hmm. But once they decide that this group is safe, they really trust and they really, you know, give their hearts to something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's an interesting part of the six. And you said that beautifully. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So next question, and this um, is about safety and security. So of course we've already said the sixes love to feel safe and secure but what are the moments when you do feel safe and secure? Um, I would say that when there's not a lot of change going on, when there's a lot of structure, when there's a lot of positive energy, mm-hmm. like I can feel um, bad energy or negative mm-hmm. energy. Mm-hmm. And it's just like it, it's, you know, and I know I've gotten to where I know how to back away from that. Mm-hmm. And, so if everything is structured and routine and which is another part of six, I mean, I like to do the same thing every day mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, my house is in order and my, my kids are safe and, mm-hmm. and, you know, I am, my environment's not chaotic. I mean, my car is clean, my things are organized, mm-hmm. um, I'm well planned and prepared mm-hmm. and I can show up and mm-hmm. be 
um, calm mm-hmm. and not going on two wheels sideways. Yeah. yeah. Our next Enneagram 6 guest is an Emmy-winning video producer and writer, and she also did her Enneagram certification training with me, um, and we went to Enneagram Atlanta to get certified, which is a great certification program if you're interested in being certified in the Enneagram. Look them up. But Chrislyn talks with us on our holiday episode about what gifts a six might want for the holidays. So listen to Chrislyn talk about that. Oh my goodness. Um, li- listen to yourself. Uh, protect and prioritize uh, that space and that alone time to just be with you and savor the fullness of being with you. Um, I think it's, at least for me, the holiday days, the turn of the new year always brings these questions of like, what on earth did I do this year? What's coming next year, right? You're you're maybe with family and friends. It's time to give those life updates. and at least for me as a six, that's terrifying, right? It's like, am I on the right path? <laughs> Where am I going? Uh, do I even know? Um, how do I tell my story? Um, do I trust my story, right? And so I think, yeah, giving yourself that that safe you space to remember uh, who you are, where you've been, where you're going, and just be really grounded in that, I think can help anchor through all the, yeah, all the hustle and bustle. Through the frenetic chaos that the holidays can be if we're not careful, right? So what are some gifts that an Enneagram six might want for the holidays? What what would you say that they might enjoy? What's a present you can imagine an Enneagram six well, wants? For, for the sixes in your life or you know, as a six, uh, if you're listening to this, um, I know for myself, any gift that makes me feel like, wow, you really know me. Perhaps you know me better than I know me because this Uh, gift that you're giving me is reminding me of who I am or my best self, right? Um, Who I really can be when I am brave, when I'm courageous, um, when I know I'm loved. Um, Gifts that make me just feel like I am surrounded and supported and I'm not alone. Um, An example of this, at least for me, is just moments of serendipity, right? Like a surprise gift. Um, I have, I'm very blessed to have friends who will mail me things out of the blue when I least expect it. And when I receive it, I'm like, wait, how did they know that I needed this right now? Because it's like Uh something that's specifically about storytelling with all these poems that I'm like, wait, like this speaks to my soul as a storyteller. Uh Um, They know I identify it as and like, I'm very passionate about. Um, you know, friends who are like, one one sent me this pair of earrings once that has these beautiful intricate wires uh, branching into like tree branches with like these beautiful gems as the leaves. And for me, I do a lot of work in family history and, and the stories of our ancestors. And so just like images like this, where I'm like, oh, how did you know? <laughs> yeah, um, you know me, you get me. It's very personal gift. Yeah. I love that. And then what about in terms of you, what are one or two, I know you've just shared a few gifts that people have gotten you, but just beloved treasured gifts that you've received. 
doesn't have to be necessarily for the holidays, but any time in your life, what are, what are one or two of those treasured gifts that you've received? Yeah. Um, one that comes to mind that I think is a good example of what I was just saying. Um, I remember actually like maybe just a little over a year ago, um, I was going through a pretty rough, like the end of a long distance relationship. It was pretty sudden. Um, and I was at a conference where I met someone and, you know, we became fast friends really quickly. And at the end of that conversation, she was like, I know we just met, but what's your address? I need to send you something. You know, she didn't say what it was, but I was like, uh, okay. Um, I feel like I can trust you. Maybe right. This is the six kind of testing out. (laughs) Um, and, and, and about two weeks later, I get this book in the mail and it's, it's like this journal called a growth book, growth roots kind of book. And it's designed to help you notice and remember and see all the moments of all the gifts in your life all the wonders of serendipity and and when i and there was a little like prayer card that came with it that had the beginning of like this bible verse that was like let your roots grow deep or like grow down into god or something Mm -hmm. like that and there was a date where apparently the person who wrote that had prayed for me on september 30th and that was the day that this like relationship that i was grieving had ended and so there's all these points of just like how, 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 you know, and so everything just came together where I just felt in that moment so seen, so held by the universe, by people, right, um, and was just like, mm-hmm. all right, I feel like this whole thing just shattered, I don't know what's gonna happen, but I feel like, you know, I'll be okay, <laughs> right, um, yeah, yeah I had solid ground to stand on, um, and then I guess the other type of gift that I really treasure is, is just the gift of someone's story, um, I think for me, feeling like it's hard for me to trust myself when someone shares openly vulnerably um about what they've been through um and like their demons and their dreams right that is a sign of your trust that is a gift that is so precious so sweet um and yeah so whether you know that's my parents telling me about what they went through growing up um or people in the community that I run online right now uh just coming to the space, right? Figure out who are all these online strangers and might they be my friends, right? When they take that step and open up, I'm like, that is a gift. Um, that shows me that you consider the space that we're trying to hold to be some kind of sanctuary, right? That you feel like you can be yourself in. And, and I'm just like, that's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm trying to create. So when I get that kind of feedback, it, it, it's so meaningful. Yeah. Mm, that's beautiful. So it's time for our sevens, last but not least, in the head triad. And Kat and I interviewed her husband, Kevin, who is an Enneagram seven. And so listen in. And the reason we wanted to invite Kevin today, uh, because he is a seven through and through. Like, I have never met anybody more seven-ish than my husband. So hopefully you guys enjoy and we'll just go ahead and kick it off. I'll start. All right. So Kev. Yes. What is your first memory of being really excited? And do you um, try to connect to that feeling? And if yes, how do you connect to it? So I have two really fond memories of being really, really excited. First would be birthday, five years of age, got my first dog. They actually mm. wrapped him up in a box. <laughs> and I still vividly remember opening this box and this dog jumping out. Um, 
Fortunately, the dog was hit by an RV, so... <laughs> terrible, <laughs> terrible. I'm trying to only remember the, uh, the good part about that. Uh, yeah. The second part was uh, learning to ride a bike. Uh, and I still remember the first bicycle I had. Again, I was probably around five or six. It was a Schwinn Mini Scrambler. Uh, it was the first time not only I felt this disjoint happiness, but it gave me that sense of freedom. Mm. That I had transportation, I had movement, and I could roam. You and could be adventurous. That's what I did. <laughs> I yeah. jumped things, went places, and as Kat shared, I am all things adventure. I still to this day mountain biking very active with doing that with my family and my children as well as personally that's uh it's my prozac it's uh-huh. keeps me grounded and uh i i can vividly connect both of those even when i'm out riding in the woods can think back of, of having that same kind of feeling of, of being a young tot that's a great story especially because when i think of an animal who might represent each number yeah a a dog, a puppy dog, is such a seven, a right? A just, yes, a so Labrador. Happy. So excited, so ex- enthusiastic, and it's so hard to get them to sit and to be grounded and to train them to, mm-hmm. you know, sit and be still. But that that is the animal that I would pick for. What yeah. would you pick? Well, we we actually have it. We have a seven dog. He's a pug. He's a year old. Aww. And he if he it he, if he was a number, he is a seven through and through. Just super excited. Always wants to be around you. Always wants an adventure. Always wants fun. He's just animated. Always just and a lover. Mm-hmm. That's great. We, Our- <laughs> we've nicknamed him FOMO. Oh, he is a FOMO. That's yep. funny. Well, then I have to start with my FOMO question <laughs> just because of that. So. As we know, fear of missing out, FOMO, is a real thing for most sevens. So how does this show up in your life, this fear of missing out? I think I'm getting better as I age and mature in kind of balancing this this fear. Uh, As a young man coming out of school, I spread myself thin in a lot of different areas and just wanted to be the life of the party or at least have an invite to the party. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the older I get, the more I realize that I have everything that I need. I've got a great relationship. I'm healthy, like on wood. Mm-hmm. Uh, got great kids, career stable. Uh, I think FOMO now is less about what I want, but really more than what I want to give up. Mm. So... And that, we can talk later, that's probably one of my struggles is I still overcommit myself. So it's mm-hmm. not necessarily FOMO, but just spreading myself thin. And mm-hmm. uh, it's really what do I want to give up to ensure I'm prioritizing appropriately. So that you can be in the present moment and yes. enjoy your wonderful relationship with your wife and your yes. kids and your hobbies like mountain biking. So that that your fear of missing out or being overcommitted is not keeping you from the present moment and the things that are... A gift in your life. Preach. <laughs> Our next seven is Reverend Catherine Toledano. Catherine is an architect. She is a minister. She is a certified yoga teacher and a certified journey dance teacher. And she is a good friend of mine. Listen in to what she has to say about being an Enneagram seven. I'm excited to talk about the Enneagram. I I learned about it about 15 years ago. I was finishing a mindfulness-based stress reduction program, you know, sort of the John Kabat-Zinn uh, mm-hmm. thing. And at the very end of our program, the uh, 
the teacher said, we're going to do our Enneagram types now. And I'm like, what is it? I had no idea. Um, but I did it. And I think I tested probably, you know, too close to each other. I wasn't quite sure. But then she suggested that I go do a weekend at Kripalu, which is up in Massachusetts. I was living in Connecticut at the time. And Helen Palmer, who's one of the great, Ooh. like, yeah, yes, you know, she's so incredible. And what my teacher said was just like, if you can be in the presence of Helen Palmer, you just go to this weekend. You might not know what Enneagram is or think you want to spend a whole weekend on it, but go. So I did that and I really learned a lot about myself and I was able to identify myself as the type seven. So that was kind of my introduction to the Enneagram. That is phenomenal. And wow. it's the, the rest is history. So you feel it served you well, sort of connecting with it. And 15 years, that's a long time to stick with something. Yeah. Yes, especially for a seven. <laughs> but, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, I command you. I, uh, yes. I feel like it gave me a lot of insight on myself, yeah. a lot of my patterns. Yeah. I remember uh, we did a lot with meditation that weekend. And the way Enneagram was presented to me was that the Desert Fathers, you know, back in, you know, first, second century were trying to meditate and they each named a distraction from their meditation. And for the seven, it was future positive thinking, pleasant options, thinking yeah. about, well, what could I be having for dinner tonight, you know, while you're yeah. meditating or yeah. here's the fun thing I'm going to do later. So I saw that pattern in myself of always having that future mindset. Mm -hmm. And uh, Helen Palmer really helped me because she, she sort of looked me right in the eye and she said, if you could just pause mm -hmm. and wait one more moment in an unpleasant or difficult situation, just give it one more moment. And yeah. that was something I never forgot. That is so mm -hmm. wise and it makes it accessible. Instead of be in the pain, stay with the suffering, give it a pause and a moment. Yeah. I love that. Just one more moment. Wow. Not yeah. easy. Easier said than done, I'm sure. For a seven. For, I'm yes. married to one, so. <laughs> you know. I know. We're always trying to escape. It, it's like, how do I, yep. how do I get yep. out of this? Ooh, I don't like the situation. Yep. I'm out. You know, yep. yeah. it's, a, it's a gut. Yeah. instinct you know, yeah. natural yeah. reaction kudos to you i love that so as a type seven you've been on this journey for a long time of studying the enneagram so what are you learning about your weaknesses maybe we might call that growing edges or your strengths as a seven so that's a great question i think you know I, i've definitely learned that i'm pain averse i don't want to stay in that moment. So working with pain, working with suffering, working with the pause, I can easily get distracted or take on too many things or even schedule too many things in one day because they all sound really great. So I'm like, yes, I want to do all of that. So I think over the years, because it's been 15 years, I've learned like, it's okay. You don't have to do each and every pleasant or exciting sounding thing yeah. to be complete or to find happiness there. Yeah. It's almost like the search of something outside of yourself and realizing there is nothing outside of yourself yeah. that's going to make, you know, that's going to raise pain and make life really fun all the time. Okay. So learning to be centered and go within has been really important. I love that. I love that. So brag on yourself. What are the strengths about being the seven? 
Well, I love that description that it was the visionary that you right? said. I, I, was, I don't Is think that I, not I, I've heard you know, and y'all Latin are. and um, you know, other things that didn't sound as good as visionary. <laughs> so, yeah, visionary sounds great to me. I hold the big picture. I love concepts. I'm you know, positive generally yeah. and uh, love connecting, synthesizing different uh, elements of something. That's why what I'm doing now, which is leading a church, writing the sermons is incredible for me yeah. because you can bring in so much, you know, different uh, thoughts and elements and synthesize them in a way that's new and fresh and, mm-hmm. and makes the message fresh. So I, I love doing that. Next up, we have an Enneagram 7 all the way from South Africa. You'll love her beautiful accent. And she was a joy to speak with. She is an internationally acclaimed Enneagram teacher. So Saffron Bagley, listen in to what she had to say. Something else that I've learned from the Enneagram that would have taken me 150 years of therapy to learn. And I've had 150,000 hours, I can assure you. Um, but the Enneagram has taught me that actually the, the seven is not optimistic. Actually, when we have conversations with ourselves in the middle of the night, they are really not. They are the opposite of optimistic. They are pessimistic, ugly, cruel conversations. I think the the sort of the lightness and the joyousness and the attractiveness of the seven comes from actually wanting so badly not to get stuck in that, what I call the darkness. Pat is yeah. married to a seven, so, so she to, understands Yeah, that. so I'm Enneagram One, and to listen to your talk, it is like honey in my ears because I'm married to a seven and a lot of that you've said resonates with me and thank you for sharing that that's that's very generous and I do believe that sevens a lot of times uh, misunderstood by just being happy-go-lucky all the time externally and internally which is in fact is not always the case yes I have a question for you about being a seven. So I've thoroughly enjoyed reading through your website. It it is glorious. And when I've read a tiny bit of your biography, I've learned that you consider yourself a bit of a loner. Mm. And does that come? So my question is twofold. Does that come as a surprise to people whom you work with or sort of communicate with, congregate with? And how do you balance that part of yourself with your energetic and extroverted part of being a seven? Yes. Because that's a little of a paradox there. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You're really right. And so what comes up for me is that there's this clear line between the five and the seven. Mm-hmm. And truthfully, and being in an intimate relationship with a seven, you may have observed this with your eagle eye, that actually all sevens are loners. All sevens need their alone time, but fear being lonely. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Paul, Paul Tillich said that um, solitude is the glory of being alone and fear is uh, the, 
is when you experience loneliness and being alone. And, and I think that if a seven's not in a healthy place, they're in a place of experiencing the fear of being alone. And when they're yeah. in a healthy place, they experience solitude or the glory of being alone. And I Absolutely. find that helpful. Yeah. And just to add one more layer, when a seven is unhealthy, they hang out with anyone alone and feeling lonely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there's multiple layers and it's all tied into reliability. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what I can share with you, Kat, going back to your question, is as I have become more impeccable with my word, in other words, limiting myself to what I can handle as opposed to letting people down, it's become easier and easier for me to be extremely, very boundaried about my time, my energy. That's why I always say it takes a while to get an appointment with me because not because I'm busy, but because I have my downtime, because mm -hmm. I ride my horses, because I, so I'm still having a great time. Mm -hmm. It's just not so frenetic anymore. Mm -hmm. That's the word. Yeah, so that's, that's the difference between, again, that unhealthy and healthier seven is that the seven, when they're in a average unhealthy place they're going to be a little bit more scattered more frenetic when they get into that grounded place and move towards their five they take time for hobbies solitude and then they experience just you know that that mindfulness and that power of the present moment and that sounds like where you are as a seven and what you're working on as a seven and that's really beautiful Daniel Brown is a ray of sunshine. I always feel so much joy when I attend one of his classes. He teaches at Southern Soul Yoga. This is a snippet from our interview with him. What do you love you. most about teaching? Uh, it is something that I'm really passionate about that helps me feel like seen and present, but also completely removed all at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I can feel when the people in the room feel that. And whether I'm practicing with people or facilitating the practice, it's mm -hmm. really nice to be able to share that. Mm -hmm. um, and I just, like, am overwhelmed with lo love when I do it mm -hmm. every single time. So it's like, if I flubbed words or mm -hmm. if maybe I didn't feel like I connected as deeply this time as than I did before, mm -hmm. um... It's just like the fact that I feel so much love mm -hmm. when I finish teaching that I just keep yeah. doing it. Oh, I, I love that it. answer. Yeah. I love that answer. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And I think that that's an Enneagram 7 too, that they feel energy, love, passion, like that that would be something that they would feel from teaching. I also want to make the observation that I've seen you like when you're teaching or when you're taking a class riding your bike to the studio and that that seems very Enneagram 7 too that you have this love of dance and riding your bike and yoga and you know sevens just have energy for a lot of different types of practices you know for me as a two I, I walk I hike 
and I do yoga, but you probably have a much longer list than that. Is that right? <laughs> it's very true. I like to be physical, and I didn't even realize it was a thing until one of my friends from, like, long, long ago, she's like, one thing I know I'm going to do when I see Daniel is go to a workout class, and that's a way of us bonding. <laughs> and I noticed that a lot of my friends, most of my friends would be like, you're the only friend that I know when I visit you. We're going to hike. We're, We're gonna, gonna take yeah, a yoga class. Physical. We're gonna take yeah, yeah, which is really great because I love good it. Time, right? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great. Well, um, I want to ask you about the Enneagram. So, when were you introduced to it? I cannot remember specifically. So, like in my mind, there's a memory of me on my work computer in Connecticut taking an Enneagram test. And being like, ha yeah, that makes sense. Not yeah. remembering what the number was. Yeah. Um, and I think because I was such a different me then is why I can't even remember what that number was because it probably was inaccurate then. Yeah. Um, and so a friend, when I moved here, actually was like raving about the Enneagram and how like, it's such a four. I'm such a four-week <laughs> five. And I'm like, what are you talking about? So she sent me the link to take the Enneagram test. And this time I got a seven. I remembered it. Because it was like a really cute, quippy description. It's like the sevens love to feel joy, but at the expense of shoving away every other <laughs> feeling. Yeah. And I was like, ew. <laughs> yeah. So I shut that down. Um, and then I was dating this guy, and he was like really, really obsessed with it. And I brought, I brought show and tells guys. Um, yeah, let's see. He got me this book, um, the Enneagram type, and so it's like a workbook. And every chapter gives you, like, a breakdown of your Enneagram type. Yeah. And then a worksheet afterwards of questions for you to answer. Um, and it's really great. It's by Beth McCord. And it's actually um, through the lens of a very, very Christian woman. So yeah. it brings you back to how the Enneagram realigns you with mm -hmm. God. Right. Um, but I think it's very useful outside of, um, even if you don't resonate with that spirituality type, um, it's really great, and it also ties you into other Enneagram types, so how you work into other Enneagram types positively and negatively, okay. uh, like persons, mm -hmm. but also within yourself, how when you're operating at your highest or lowest, mm -hmm. how that's going to come out in a different Enneagram type, mm -hmm. um, or are you exhibiting a different Enneagram type? So that was really useful, yeah. and that is really what landed me into the Enneagram, and shortly afterwards, I actually ran into you in class. Yeah. And um, we were sitting downstairs, and you're like, I have a podcast, Enneagram Plus Yoga. And I was like, what? <laughs> I've just been, like, obsessing over the Enneagram. And so um, it all kind of happened really rapidly, the Enneagram did. I became very obsessed. Um, so maybe about a year, two years, that I've been, like, really kind of studying it and seeing it in myself and others. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a great way to understand ourselves and others, and we can, like, start to notice how each of the nine types lives in us, you know, mm -hmm. and sometimes we can look at our arrows of stress and arrows of health in particular, but all nine types, and it sounds like that book by Beth McCord has been really helpful to you, so, so a little so shout out for this Enneagram journal book, it's called The Seven Enneagram Type by Beth McCord, and I know that they have lots of journals like that for each of the nine types um, by many different authors, so that might be something to check out if you want to do a deeper dive into the Enneagram, but what has it taught you about yourself and others? Um, I, 
know that the Enneagram type is, like, the one thing, if, like, you know your Enneagram, mm-hmm. it's, like, it's a zodiac, you ask what a Scorpio, and they're, like, mm-hmm. well, a Scorpio can be this, mm-hmm. and, like, sometimes they're, like, this with the Enneagram, mm-hmm. literally, it's, like, the four is this, nope. the four handles this this way, the <laughs> yeah. four handles this this way, and it's, like, so across the board that, like, as soon as someone tells me they're a four, I get it. Yeah. Um, my, or as soon as someone tells me they're a three, I know. My roommate is a three, and I see it in the smallest ways as soon as someone tells me they're a three. I'm like, <laughs> yep, you are. Um, and about me, it's taught me what I'm avoiding. Like, yeah. the biggest, because yeah. I know that that is, like, yeah. my thing. That is Enneagram 7's thing. Mm-hmm. Um, is, like, feeling good to the point of avoidance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have to sit down all the time and I'm like, is this serving you mm-hmm. <laughs> is this productive yeah. or are you avoiding yeah. and sometimes I have to be like yeah it feels good but maybe it's not the best option right now <laughs> yeah because I just want to ask because sevens have such a hard time with feeling pain <laughs> is shavasana a space where you allow yourself to sometimes feel pain or do you just enter the present moment or do what what happens for you in Shavasana? Um, Shavasana, by the time I've gotten there, I have really released. Um, and that is hard for me. Uh-huh. I'm a mover. Uh-huh. Um, so the stillness is hard. Um, but <laughs> I feel pain in the practice. I am a power yogi. <laughs> yeah. So the physical um, discomfort... Um, or a cat holding you in a goddess squat, drawing yeah. tiny, tiny circles with your arms. Mm-hmm. That is where I'm, like, really, really going. But then if, like, you look at my face, it's, like, that's where I'm releasing mm-hmm. some pain. That's where mm-hmm. I'm digging into my emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, like, breathing through and having, like, my own, like, self-study moment there. Um, so by the time I get to Shavasana, I can really, like come back out and um I usually take a lot of time after my practice not immediately but after every practice I'll take time to kind of look and work because um there's a lot of stuff I avoid even if I've like practiced day to day there's like stuff I'll overlook like something someone else will say to me that like I will not acknowledge upset Mm -hmm, me mm -hmm. until like I take that post-practice time to be like okay, that did affect you. Mm -hmm. Um, Assess how that can build you. Mm -hmm. How that can be a communication next time. How that doesn't have to continue to be something that hurts you if you don't avoid it. Like, how do you not avoid that? Mm -hmm. Um, Yoga is probably the only time that I can fully not avoid. Mm -hmm. Because you can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So it's a time where you release the pain during the movement. And then in Shavasana, sometimes you come back to that internal space and mm-hmm. process and, mm-hmm. and feel. And um, yeah, lots of things happen for you during that, mm-hmm. that time. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. After this short advertisement, stay tuned for a beautiful meditation led by our very own Cat Smith. Hello everybody, Kat here. Wanted to welcome you to our Headspace meditation today. It's 
So how often do we spend our entire days living not in the present moment, not in the reality that's happening around us right here, right now, but inside of our head with our thoughts, whether the thoughts have to deal with the past or the future, they sort of take up the space and our ability to pause and to be in the moment that we're in right now. So today's meditation is all about that. Go ahead and let yourself settle into a comfortable position, whether you want to sit on the floor or in a chair. Let your body relax and soften. Let your gaze soften or close your eyes completely. And let's start with a full inhale through the nose. Open mouth, exhale. You have arrived. And now focus on easy breathing, slow breaths in and out. Let the belly expand on the inhale and soften on the exhale. And now recognize how your mind naturally wants to stay active. Pay attention to the thoughts that are in your head right now. Notice them as they come. Notice them as they go. Giving yourself permission to observe your thoughts calmly, letting them pass in front of you without being invasive, without taking all of your focus, allowing the thoughts to pass. Continue to breathe. Come back to noticing your thoughts, recognizing that they're a part of you, that they are there, but that you are separate. You're not those thoughts. You are the observer, the listener. Know that you can always get out of your head and step in the present moment, the moment that you're in right now. Continue to breathe. Now gently tap each fingertip to your thumb, letting the soft movement pull you back into your body. You are here. Breathe. Reminding yourself you are here, you are in 
your body. You're in this moment. And nothing that's happening in your head can affect that, can take that away. Stay here. Once again, notice the thoughts that are going through your head. Let them go as they pass through. Let them get out of your head as they pass through. Remind yourself you are here in this moment with your breath. Take a full inhale through the nose. Open mouth, gently exhale. Thank you for joining me today. Namaste.